sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to our number two of the morning after live right here on this Tuesday all across the Sports Grid Network. Sirius XM channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. A huge Tuesday in the world of sports, including in basketball, on the hardwood, winner take all, game three tonight at the Barclays Center in the WNBA postseason. The opening round matchup this first series of the playoffs between the reigning WNBA champs, the Chicago Sky, and the New York Liberty. We'll take you around the WNBA postseason to start things off here in our number two. The Chicago Sky were a heavy outright favorite to win this series, minus 430 before things got started. But it was the Liberty playing spoiler in that opening game of the series last week in Chicago, winning outright as a nine and a half point underdog, 98-91. But we get to game three because Chicago had the response on Saturday. 100-62 was that response from the sky. The largest margin of victory in the history of the WNBA playoffs. A 38-point win, Chicago easily covering as an eight and a half point favorite. The sky still booked as a relatively big favorite on the road tonight in Barclays Center in Brooklyn against the Liberty. Seven and a half is where that spread stands right now in favor of the WNBA champs from a season ago. Technically, the shortest spread of this series, eight and a half for game two, nine and a half for that opener in favor of Chicago. In the sky, have scored 91 points in each of the first two games, at least 91. 91 in the opener, 100 in game number two. Game one over, game two under. The total tonight up slightly from where it was yesterday. 164 and a hook is now 165 and a half on this Tuesday morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Big Apple, big stars tonight inside the Barclays Center. For the home team, the New York Liberty, looking to pull off the upset in the series and in game number three at home, Sabrina Ionescu will be expected to lead the charge. Her points prop is 18 and a half tonight for the New York Liberty. She only scored seven points in game number two, but a big performance in that opening upset in game number one. 22 points, seven boards, six assists. In fact, no Liberty starter even scored in double digits in that second game. However, Kalia Copper has been fantastic for Chicago so far this postseason. Over that points prop of 18 and a half in each of the opening two games, 20 in game number two in Chicago's route, even 21 in game number one in which the Sky lost to the Liberty. So look at that points prop for Copper tonight. I'm going to do some quick handicapping here if I can. I don't believe we have a team total as of yet for Chicago. But again, they've scored at least 91 points in each of the opening two games of this series, averaging 95 and a half. That might be another way to play this game. A winner-take-all game number three 
in Brooklyn tonight between the Sky and the Liberty. Chicago booked as a seven and a half point favorite. Only six teams remaining at this point in the hunt for a WNBA championship. The ace is quickly here. We'll flash this graphic and dive through the numbers in just a moment. Las Vegas now in odds on favorite at minus 125 to win the WNBA title this year in 2022. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Hour number two of TMA live on this Tuesday. Sirius XM, channel one. 59. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Aces entered with the best odds in this WNBA postseason to win the championship. Now in that minus money category after sweeping the Phoenix Mercury in their opening round series quickly in Vegas over the weekend. The Sky entered with the second best odds. They moved back following that game one loss to the Liberty. Now tied for the second best price alongside the Sun. Both at plus 440. Seattle, a sweep of the Washington Mystics in their opening round series. They'll face off against Las Vegas, a 6-1 to one number. You can see what the expectation will be for that semifinal series between Vegas and Seattle. New York and Dallas round out the six best odds now of those remaining in the WNBA postseason. It will be Dallas at home who forced a decisive winner-take-all game three with a victory on the road in Connecticut in game number two on Sunday. The Wings, a six-and-a-half-point home underdog for game number three tomorrow night in Dallas. The Suns still booked as that favorite. The total at one 64 and a half but it's not just the WNBA postseason that has us doing a hardwood handicap to open up our number two of TMA on this Tuesday the Kevin Durant sweepstakes continues this summer in the NBA offseason a new team apparently has got into the mix out of the Western Conference that would be the young upstart Memphis Grizzlies, who currently have the fifth best odds to win the Western Conference crown in 2022-23. 10 to 1 is that price on Memphis. Some reporting about KD and potentially going to the Grizz as of right now, but nothing substantial has been reported in that trade package. Of course, Memphis was the two seed in the Western Conference playoffs last season before ultimately falling to the Golden State Warriors in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. We have some fun here on this win total Tuesday, National Football League win totals for 2022 up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're going to have some fun on this win total Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz network. That's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Looking at a couple of the divisions in the NFC where there's an odds on favorite to win send divisional crown putting up their win total against the two bottom tier teams in that division adding up the two win totals for the two worst teams, if you will, against the best in the division. Let's start 
for the North. Game of Thrones is back in our lives in some kind of way. So we go to the Green Bay Packers, the champions of the NFC North for the past three seasons against the teams with the lowest win totals in the NFC North, the Lions and the Bears. Now, of course, you can do the quick math like me. The over has the juice for all three of these win totals this year. If you were to add the Lions and the Bears, that combined win total would be 12, a full game and a half ahead of the Green Bay Packers. They would be the favored side. But who's going to end up winning more games? Let's look at history and let them tell us that. Because the Green Bay Packers, like I mentioned, have dominated the NFC North. The Packers have won this division three consecutive seasons. And in each of those three seasons, winning a divisional title, the Green Bay Packers have won 13 games maybe that's correlated not just over minus 160 to the 10 and a half win total but an alternate win total of 12 and a half over for the green bay packers that is why green bay is favored at minus 155 substantially in that odds on favorite category to win the nfc north for a fourth straight year but let's focus on the lions and the bears because maybe they can go over those modest win totals to add up with one another to surpass the total win total for the green bay packers let's dive into the history for the detroit lions because it's rather fascinating it should not surprise anybody to know that detroit has gone under six and a half wins in four straight years they only won three games a season ago but when matthew stafford was there when calvin johnson was tuning in the motor city the detroit lions went over six and a half wins four straight years prior to the past four years which they went under it's the exact opposite story for chicago the bears have gone over five and a half wins four straight seasons but the four straight years before that consecutively under four straight years the bears even won six games last year so they were over this number of five and a half a season ago the over has the juice heavily for both the bears and the lions and the packers so if you're asking to combine those two i think the lions and the bears certainly have a better chance to combine for more wins than just the packers as their lone entity although green bay has won again 13 games in three straight years resulting in an nfc north divisional championship three straight years eight of the last 11. we do the same exercise for the nfc south the green bay packers minus 155 to win the nfc north the tampa bay buccaneers minus 270 to win the nfc south it's the best odds of any team to win any division in all of the nfl this upcoming year minus 270 and the tampa bay buccaneers are tied for the largest win total on the board right now at 11 and a half the buffalo bills have more juice to the over the bucks now slightly on the under so technically buffalo has the largest win total available and that's why buffalo is the betting favorite to have the best regular season record but we discuss carolina and atlanta when you have the atlanta falcons with a win total at four and a half and the over has the juice it's tied for the lowest on the board the texans have a win total of four and a half the juice even on both sides carolina has that under having the juice of that six and a half win total they would combine for 11 tampa bay is at 11 and a half this one is much more even in a weak nfc south 
division. Now, here's the interesting thing about the NFC South overall. We'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa last year won 13 football games, tied for the most wins in the regular season alongside Green Bay. And the Bucs were booked as a favorite in every single game a season ago. But even in the two years with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, they haven't gone over 11 and a half wins in both. The year they won the Super Bowl, you could say certainly the better year of the two, Tampa only won 11 games in the regular season. And they've only gone over 11 and a half wins one other time since the turn of the millennium, of the millennium excuse me, back in 2000. Now, Tampa has dominated the NFC South outside of the New Orleans Saints. Since Tom joined the Bucks, they are a perfect, or they are eight and four rather, straight up in the NFC South in their divisional games. And they are perfect outside of the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have had Tom's number in the regular season. They have won all four regular season games within divisional action since Tom Brady joined the Buccaneers. Now, the Falcons are a fascinating team. Because although they are expected to have a win total of only four and a half, and the over has the juice, so maybe at best five wins, Atlanta still won seven games a season ago, and it wasn't a successful year. Atlanta has only gone under four and a half wins four times since the year 2000. And last year against the spread, Atlanta was six, 10, and one. The Panthers were not very good a season ago. They started off a perfect 3-0. They lost 12 of the remaining 14 games straight up. And the Panthers were 3-7 against the spread, booked as an underdog a season ago. Not expected to win games and didn't really cover games either. The second worst cover percentage as an underdog in the National Football League last year. Only the Bears had a worse cover percentage when booked as a dog a season ago. The Panthers actually are tied with Chicago for the third longest playoff odds in the NFC this upcoming season, also alongside the Detroit Lions. That's why the win total for Carolina is at six and a half. What does success look like for the Panthers with Baker Mayfield now as the starting quarterback? You can see the long odds within the division. Can they disrupt some of what the Bucks are hoping to do as the heavy odds on favorites at minus 270 or maybe make things a little bit more difficult for other teams in the NFC? Because the Bucks are minus 270 to win the NFC South and because Tampa has the largest win total in the NFC, it all leads to that path, the correlated markets for the Buccaneers to be booked as the favorites to win an NFC championship. Plus 340. We share the win total number for the Green Bay Packers and their path through their division in the NFC North. The Packers have the second best odds alongside the Rams, both of those teams at five to one. The Rams are not in minus money, but are the favorites to win the NFC West, an expected more competitive division with the Niners being there and the Cardinals as well. The Rams at plus 125 in the NFC West. Now, the Niners are heavily favored to make the postseason out of a wild card spot or maybe within that own division, as are the Eagles out of the NFC East, which really leaves room based on the odds for one final team in the NFC. Will it be the Saints, maybe the Cardinals, or the Vikings who now have a win total of nine and a half and the over is even on both sides, as is the case for the Cardinals at eight and a half. Minnesota is an interesting team here as well from that win 
total perspective. Minnesota has averaged nine wins a year over an eight-year span, which has seen the Vikings go over nine and a half wins just three times in those eight years. But the Vikings have never finished with less than seven wins in this eight-year span. And for Minnesota last year, 14 of their first 15 games were decided by a single score. I think New Orleans, the Saints, having even money to the over of that eight-and-a-half win total is one of my favorite bets this season. They have gone over eight-and-a-half wins five straight years, a playoff team in four of those five years. Only last year did New Orleans not make the postseason. I love the Saints over of that win total at eight and a half. We go back to college football, getting you hyped for week zero up next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Four days away from the start of a 2022 college football season. Week zero kicks us off on Saturday. We are oh so close to the start of CFB this upcoming season. Welcome back to the morning after live here on this Tuesday where it is never too early to look at those lines that we've had available for a good portion of this offseason for week zero and what if anything they might tell us for the rest of the college football campaign. Helping us do that live on this Tuesday on TMA, it is Mark Zinno, who has been here over the summer talking baseball, some NFL leans as well. But I know Mark Zinno first and foremost as a college football aficionado, so it is a great time to be talking CFB once again. Ben, it is great to be here. We are oh so close, as you said, and we're just going to go right across the pond there. Sorry, I couldn't resist. All right, now I'm done. I promise I no more accents. But we're getting ready, man. I'm excited. I mean, every time I say Dublin to mention Aviva Stadium for <laughs> Northwestern in Nebraska, I throw a little twang on there as well. And that is going to be where we start. It is the marquee matchup for Week Zero, although I love a lot of games across the slate. But it's one of the first games of the day, an Irish opener, a Dublin debut for a Big Ten battle between Northwestern and and Nebraska. And Zeno, you've been following this line all offseason long. And even on this Tuesday morning, some live movement here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What was 12 and a half for the better portion of the last two and a half weeks is now nearly two touchdowns in favor of the Huskers. I see it live at 13 and a half, the favorite point spread in favor of Nebraska with an over under at 50 and a half. It's nearly two touchdowns, Zeno. Who do you think covers that spread? Well, I should really defer to you as Big Ten Ben here. I mean, this isn't the mouth in the South specialty. But that said, you missed a good number with Nebraska. You can't bet it now. I, I think you're chasing. I think it's a bad idea to bet this thing at 12 and a half or 13, especially when it opened as a single-digit number for Nebraska. Now, we know what happened last year. Nebraska blew out Northwestern 56 to 7. But this is a Nebraska offense that's in a state of flux, and you don't really know what they're going to be yet. They get a new quarterback coming in, and I question how early, how sharp they'll be early on. But I do think more than anything that this is a place where points can be scored 
And this is probably an overlean for me more than anything because I don't mm. trust Nebraska's defense, and we know Northwestern's defense is going to be a little bit sketchy. Wouldn't shock me to see this thing go over the total. But I think you missed the boat on taking Nebraska and laying the points because the line has moved so drastically. So for me, it would be Northwestern or pass from a side perspective. Last year, you know, Northwestern was a bottom 35 defense in the country. It was the first year in Evanston without Mike Hankwins, who had been the defensive coordinator, the right-hand man of Pat Fitzgerald for a very long time. And when Northwestern won the Big Ten West in 2020, it was because of that Wildcats defense. Last year, 56-7, well over this number, which was actually very similar to the final total of that game in Lincoln a season ago that ended at 51 and a half from that over-under perspective. Now, Zeno, here's the interesting thing about Nebraska. They are booked as a near-two-touchdown favorite now for the regular season opener. A Nebraska team that won a single Big Ten game a season ago. It was that blowout route of Northwestern. A Nebraska team that only won three football games a season ago has only won six in the last two years yet the huskers find themselves you know with the second best price to win the big 10 west division on the FanDuel sportsbook at plus 350 a dollar and 80 cents behind the wisconsin badgers so zitto week zero doesn't tell us all that much for the greater picture of a college football campaign but it will certainly tell the tale for nebraska in 2022 how do you evaluate the Huskers' big-picture perspective for this upcoming season? Well, look, Nebraska's a team last year that lost nine games, Ben, nine games by single digits. So they were in a lot of comp- games. They were competitive with good yep. teams. Um, they, they almost you know, took out Penn State, for crying out loud. I mean, this is a team that should theoretically get better. You have to have some regression Back to the mean in this one. It's not common for a team to lose nine games by single digits. So from that standpoint, you would expect that they'll get some of those in their back pocket this year. Scott Frost in the hot seat. Remember what happened last year in the opener and the loss to the, to the Illini? You know, I would yep. think that they would want to make a good impression, come out early, and he would be extra focused with this team going into this game because if Nebraska starts out slow, it could fall apart very quickly. But I, again, I think that they will be more competitive than people give them credit for. I'm not necessarily surprised by them having those odds to win the Big Ten. The optimism, the off-season hype train in Lincoln always churns throughout any off-season. However, it feels a little bit more justified this year. A three and nine football team, but all nine losses, like Zeno said, by single digits, four and one against the spread when booked as an underdog they're only non-cover the line closed at two and a half in favor of michigan and the wolverines won late to beat nebraska in lincoln last year in october 32 to 29 northwestern the longest odds in this division 100 to 1 the wildcats have actually been a champion in the big 10 west two of the past four years you see illinois there the second longest odds at 30 to 1 the Illini fantastic when booked as an underdog against the number in the debut season of Burt Brett Bielema in Champaign it was Illinois pulling off the upset outright against Nebraska in week zero a season ago that game was played in Champaign 
although it was originally scheduled for Dublin. They will open the year, will the Illini, again week zero in Champaign, not against a Big Ten team, but rather a Mountain West foe in Wyoming. Zeno, Illinois, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. This spread has fluctuated right around double digits at 10 for most of this offseason. Do you have a pick for the Illini and the Cowboys? I do, but it's not the side. It's the total. Look, this is a Nebraska offense that barely averaged 21 points a game last year. So if they're holding to that same offense, which they will, because Brett Bielema does one thing and one thing well, that is run the football. He's going to slow this and grind this tempo all the way down. They're going to run the football. They're going to play defense. So from that standpoint, if you're asking them to cover a 10-point spread, well, they can only give up one touchdown in the game if they're going to do it the way their offense plays. But let's look at the total here. And you saw the number there at under 43 and a half on the screen. Even money. That's where this game goes. This is a under game, if you ask me, because, uh, sorry, Illinois won't score that much. And Wyoming, yep. even though last year they finished with a top 80, top 85 offense in points scored per game, they did lose their best playmaker who transferred to Texas. And they have some transition going on on the offense. But this is a very good Illini defense that easily can keep this team in check. When you add all that together, points should be at a premium here. If this thing goes over, it's because Wyoming scored 24 points on their own. I don't see that happening. I think this defense for Illinois is going to be very, very good again. Bielema's put his stamp on this team. I love the under in this game, Ben. That's the only way I'm going. Four and a half is the win total for the Illini. Burton Company won five games in his debut season a year ago. Seven and two against the spread in nine Big Ten games a season ago. But you are not the Big Ten guy, as you said, Mark Zeno. You are the mouth in the South. And there is an SEC team in action week zero on Saturday. Vanderbilt on the road in Hawaii off the mainland. And right now, that spread is fluctuated around a touchdown. It is under that seven point spread six and a half though in favor of the Commodores I saw you shrug your shoulders you know when I said Vanderbilt an SEC team well Vandy hasn't won a conference game in two straight seasons can they at least get started on the right foot with a non-conference tilt off the mainland oh man I mean this is a game where it almost seems crazy for Vanderbilt to be laying a touchdown to anybody in America at this point in time yep. they're just they're not that good uh, and I don't expect him to be that good again this year. However, second-year head coach Clark Lee is returning a lot of pieces. It's expected that they can improve. Um, the line doesn't do, do much for me, but I think given how bad Vanderbilt's defense was last year and how often points are scored against Hawaii and how often they give up points, the over is probably the play here. But, you know, when you look at Vanderbilt from a season-long perspective, getting over the two-and-a-half wins seems very appetizing. But really, this is the game that – has to go their way if you'd like for them to yep. get over that season total. Because, look, I had a friend of mine in the industry always tell me, I hate betting on an over-team total when I know they're going to lose their first game of the year. Because you're already down one, right? Like, I mean, you're already right. giving yourself one less shot to do it. So this is a coin flip game. Vanderbilt gets this one. They get Elon. They have a shot to win uh, against Northern Illinois. Maybe even Missouri. Wake Forest could be something of a, of a coin flip game with their quarterback being out. There's opportunities for Vanderbilt to do it, but if they don't get the first one here in Hawaii on the road, then that tells me that this team may struggle and not get to three wins once again. This is the best shot they have. They better take advantage of it. Probably too many points for me to lay with Vanderbilt's defense and an offense that still is in a, in a situation where they're starting to grow a little bit more. So I'd look to the over and probably take Hawaii with the points. 
And Zeno, you are talking to an individual in myself that has the over of Andy's oh. win total at two and a half. It was plus 145 when I bet it. Now it's even money. We're moving the market on Vanderbilt Look football the for 2022. Exactly, oh, Zeno. But we need this week a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kick out in Hawaii. I will be up watching all of it we need this week i do not care if vandy covers six and a half just cash the minus 250 money line outright it's all a part of week zero thursday night things like the backyard brawl are back in our lives west virginia and pittsburgh a big 10 debut between penn state and purdue and west lafayette zeno college football is back i can't wait to talk with you about it all season long thank you as always for your time here on the morning after for tma up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Major League Baseball, the focus now live here on this Tuesday as we get near the end of the show on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. Of course, it is game number two of the Subway Series today up in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium between the Pinstripes and the Amazons. Yesterday, it was the Yankees taking game number one in a very rare occasion for New York, that being the Yankees in this case. The pinstripes were actually booked as an underdog and a rather drastic home underdog, finishing around plus 140 on that money line. Why? Because it was Max Scherzer getting the start for Buck Showalter and company for the New York Mets, and they were minus 166 on that money line. Yet it was the Yankees with just enough getting to Scherzer who gave up four earned runs for his second consecutive start. Not great performances for the Mets here as of late. And the Yankees take game number one of the Subway Series by a final score of 4-2. to two. Aaron Judge back hitting long balls. His 47th home run this year, but his first bomb in the last 10 games. And Andrew Benatendi finally doing something of offensive production for the Yankees. Back-to-back games of multiple hits, Back-to-back games of multiple RBIs, two of three yesterday, two ribbies against the Mets, and again, the Yankees win four to two. There was a market early on before the opening game of this two-game set in the Subway Series that caught my eye. It was between the Mets and the Yankees and a third option of who would be the Subway Series winner. The Mets had the better odds, but the favored number was a split at minus 108 my thought was maybe there's value on new york with the mets being in this case a minus 166 favorite on the road in the bronx against the yankees that you could have that hedging opportunity for game number two well now the yankees are the only team that can win this subway series with the potential of a split today the pinstripes a favorite minus 134 frankie montas gets the start now we welcome in our great baseball friend, a great baseball mind, Jack McMullen, joins the show here on the morning after. The host of the Just Baseball Media Show alongside Arm Layton and the play-by-play voice 
of the Indianapolis Indians. They are in minor league ball as well. Jack, thank you for joining the show here on the morning after live on this Tuesday. New York baseball is our focus first and foremost. What was your reaction to the Yankees taking game one of the Subway Series last night, even up against Max Scherzer? You know, let's work backwards. Started with Jonathan Loisaga. They need to kind of piece together the closer situation. That was the thing that struck me. Of course, we can talk about Aaron Judge and, you know, Homer number 47 and all that cool stuff. But I want to talk about the setup guy that was having a down year that might turn into the closer down the stretch because that's what, you know, baseball is, right? It's all about the boring stuff. But listen, Clay Holmes, he was really struggling that he goes down with back spasms, right? You're looking for that new closer type. Is it Chapman? Is it Scott Efros? Is it Jonathan Loisaga? We knew that Loisaga could have been that guy, and it turns out that he was. So Aaron Boone said that they were going to piece that closer situation together. Um, I was really happy to see that Jonathan Loisaga had a bounce back outing in that regard. Uh, Now, in terms of just the game as a whole, um, Mm. I think Aaron Judge kind of embodies exactly what the Yankees need, and that is the home run. They live off the long ball. They live off of two, three long balls in any given game. Domingo Harmon also put together a pretty solid outing. You need everybody to be perfect Uh, in the starting rotation. You need Frankie Montas to be really good against the Mets. But listen, I mean, this team lives and dies by Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge helped him out with that bump. And Jack, when you look at things right now, for the New York Yankees specifically. It's tough to put into context a single game in 162 of them throughout a Major League Baseball regular season. But it feels like every day the Yankees do something, a win or a loss, it feels significant. In entering the Subway Series yesterday, it was positivity for the Mets. It was negativity for the Yankees. Did last night's outcome, the win for the pinstripes in the opening game of this Subway Series against their rival in the Mets, do anything to change your overall perspective on the Yankees at this time? No, it did. Um, I, you know, you live there, right? Like you are a New York person. You understand that New York lives and dies by every waking moment, every hour, every day. That is New York lifestyle. It bleeds into the Yankees. It doesn't necessarily bleed into the Mets because the Mets historically have not been held to the standard that is set by the New York Yankees in the city of New York. The Yankees, it will always feel like the sky is falling when they lose. It will always feel like they are on the top of the baseball kingdom when they win. Last night felt like they were on top of the world. Tonight, it may feel like the sky is falling. Oh, if we can't yeah. if we can't beat the Mets at Yankee Stadium, what what's going to happen to us, right? How are we going to survive in the postseason? Remember that baseball is 162 games long for everybody's season. New York, I feel like the collective blood pressure of Yankee fans is just through the roof. The entirety of April 1 until the end of October, beginning of November. I don't think this changes much for the Yankees. Uh, if it does, I think that people are... Uh, partaking in a bit of overreaction theater and the blood pressure is going to be sky high today when they watch the newly acquired Frankie Montas who frankly in pinstripes has been awful 14 earned runs allowed in three starts as a member of the New York Yankees yet the Yanks 
booked as a home favorite today, Jack, in the second of the two in the Subway Series set, minus 134 on that money line for the Yankees. Jack, what would you like to see out of Frankie Montas in his fourth start now in pinstripes? I would like to see what Jordan Montgomery did last night. <laughs> I'm sorry, Yankee fans. Um, I would like to see a Maddox. I would like to see a 99-pitch complete game from, or from uh, Frankie Montas. I'm sure Yankee fans are really upset that they decided to swap Montgomery for Harrison Bader. Uh, Bader hasn't played yet. Frankie Montas is one of the more talented pitchers in Major League Baseball. Was he dealing with a shoulder thing in the early to middle goings of this year? Yes, he was. What I would like to see from Frankie is him accumulate the strikeouts because that is the exciting thing that can get Yankee fans back on board with Frankie Montas. We have seen a subdued arsenal from Frankie Montas. And by that, I mean that the fastball isn't as lively as it was billed to be. The breaking pitches aren't as sharp and biting as they were billed to be. And that might be a byproduct of him dealing with shoulder issues earlier this year. I would like to see a healthy Frankie Montas. I would like to see lively stuff. And if he can rack up seven or eight punch outs over five innings, I think that Yankee fans are going to be encouraged and the blood pressure, again, can come down a little bit. And you can say, you know what? We traded for a frontline guy. We might have a frontline guy here. Jack, are you ready for your weekly update in the American League Central where I ask you to make a yes. pick based on what we have seen in this division every time you are on? Are you ready? Yes, I'm so ready. Okay, good. Because right now, the Cleveland Guardians maintain a two-game lead over the Twins, three games up on the Chicago White Sox, and Cleveland remains the betting favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Jack, it's been about two weeks since you were last here. Who wins the American League Central? Yeah, uh, I recently had a change of heart here, and it's the Cleveland Guardians. I think that the Guardians are going to win the American League Central. I think that what they do in terms of offensive depth, I know we talked about that with Houston a couple weeks ago. I think that Cleveland runs out an incredibly deep lineup. I also think that they run out a very solid front three in that rotation with Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill. Emmanuel Classe, maybe not named Edwin Diaz as the best closer in baseball right now. He is certainly number two. But one guy in that setup role is back. James Karinchak has kind of been a hot-button topic in baseball since 2021. You know, he was one that, hey, the spider tag crackdown happened. Then he sees a massive regression in his numbers. Is there a correlation here? I'm not quite sure. But what James Karinchak has done so far this year, over 20-ish appearances, has been otherworldly. He's throwing to a sub-1.5 ERA. So if you, can, if you can shorten the game to seven innings – using that starting rotation, using that offense, and you can run out James Karinchak in the eighth, Emmanuel Classe in the ninth, I think the game's over. It kind of feels like what Kansas City did in 2015, where the starters just needed to go six innings. And then you turned it over to, and these might be deep cut names, Kelvin Herrera in the seventh, Wade Davis in the eighth, Greg Holland in the ninth. The game was over. If you had the lead, the Royals won the game. That feels like what Cleveland can do. Uh, you will also like this, being a college basketball guy. On yesterday's show, I compared uh, Stephen Kwan, their leadoff man, to Tyler Eulis, the former Kentucky point guard, because what they do is not sexy, but it's perfect. Tyler Eulis was the perfect point guard. Assist-to-turnover ratio is phenomenal. He didn't make mistakes. Stephen Kwan 
does not make mistakes on the baseball field. I also love Stephen Kwan. I covered Stephen Kwan when he was a member of the Oregon State Beavers at the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Huge college baseball guy as well, Jack. And the Guardians on the road today, an underdog in San Diego. What is fascinating to me, Jack, about this time of year is we can look at toughest remaining schedule. How many more games do you have against divisional foes? And what does that set up like down this home stretch the Twins, as I mentioned, two games behind Cleveland. The Guardians starting to separate in the odds board in minus money now. But the Twins have 17 games remaining against the Guardians and the White Sox. So, Jack, when you look at the stretch in the toughest path to an American League Central, how do you evaluate the rest of this division? You know, I don't necessarily think that Minnesota has the pitching depth to survive the Guardians offense and the White Sox offense to a degree, but for the most part, the Guardians offense. The beauty of the Twins case is when they're seeing Cleveland and the White Sox, these are two teams compared to the other teams in baseball, compared to the other 28 teams. They swing early. They swing often. They don't walk very often. Um, the White Sox swing and miss at pitches out of the zone. The Guardians do not. The Guardians don't see a lot of pitches typically, so that allows opposing starters to go deep into games. Um, I think that Minnesota, you know, you could have some starting pitchers go deep into games against these guys, but it's going to be hard, man. I mean, these are two tiring offenses to see. It's not Detroit. The White Sox are yeah. still running out Eloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn. The Guardians are still running out Jose Ramirez. It, every at-bat is a high-stress at-bat. I just don't think that Minnesota has the pitching depth to get through those two offenses as often as they need to over the next five weeks. It could be a blessing or a curse. You could take the glass half full perspective and think the Twins have so many opportunities to beat up on the American League Central to get back on top, or it's going to be tough against their own division to make that move. Quickly here, Jack, a pitcher's duel we expect tonight at Dodger Stadium. Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers, Corbin Burns for the Brewers. What's your approach to this matchup? That's hard. Um, man, I, I would say under, but seven is a really low number. So yeah. uh, I am not a betting inclined person. I like looking at this type of stuff and, and running with it. Uh, just from a matchup perspective, I think that Corbin Burns will get the better of Tony Gonsolin. If there was one thing on that board that I, I would touch, it would probably be money line for the Brewers. The Brewers shut out the Dodgers yesterday. The first time L.A. has been shut out at home all year long. Jack McMullen, one of the best and brightest baseball minds I know. Thank you, as always, for your time. We round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on this Tuesday, all across SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. What didn't we hit on in the world of sports today? All things NFL, the closing of week two in the preseason. We look forward to week three and the rest of 
of the regular season in the National Football League as well. We are just four days away. I was holding a pen. Four days away from the start of a college football season. Week zero on Saturday. All around the bigs in Major League Baseball. And as we started our number two, it's how we end the show. A best bet for WNBA postseason action in the other borough from us here in Manhattan in Brooklyn tonight at the Barclays Center. A winner-take-all game three between the reigning WNBA champs, the Chicago Sky, and the New York Liberty, looking to pull off the first round and game three upset. Before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for a WNBA playoff best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. The Sky right now, a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite against New York on the Liberty's home floor tonight. Again, Chicago was a minus 430 series outright favorite before this opening round series got started. But the Liberty shocked the world in Chicago last week, taking game one outright as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. But even in game one, Kalia Copper was sensational, 21 points for Chicago. And then in game two, Copper backed it up with 20 more big ones going over 18 and a half for her points prop tonight in each of the opening two games of this series. If Chicago is going to win a decisive game three on the road in New York, Copper and her outstanding offensive performance will be a reason why. Over 18 and a half points. The morning after, each and every weekday, live right here on Sports Grid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.